Welcome back to the last episode of the San Marcos Scoop. I am your host, XR Arguello. And yes, you heard that correctly. This will be the last episode of the San Marcos Scoop, at least with me as your host. This week's episode is going to be a monologue completely by myself, so I hope you're not going to be too tired of my voice by the end of it. A few weeks ago, I got a job offer with a TV station as a producer in Buffalo, New York, and I will be heading out to the Empire State next week. But before my cross-country endeavor, I wanted to share my thoughts on San Marcos, a reflection of my time here in this beautiful city that I was thankful to call home for five years. And I'm going to focus on a few main issues today. We're going to talk about housing, economics, town and university relations, and the environment. You'll be hearing me go back and forth with a lot of these different points because I really do believe they're interconnected. So bear with me on that, and I hope you can follow along. So without further notice, let's get right into the show. When the housing assessment was released earlier this year, I think a lot of us were surprised with its findings, as it probably affirmed a lot of ideas in your head, while maybe turning some others to ideas that were neglected in their paradigm. One of the main takeaways from the housing assessment is that we need a more diverse pool of housing, which was one of the biggest takeaways for me. Here's a quote from the assessment. Between 2000 and 2017, the city lost 2,800 private market rentals affordable to households earning less than $25,000 a year due to price increases. At the same time, the city gained 2,230 more residents earning less than $25,000 a year. The loss of affordable rentals and increase in low-income households increased the gap between demand and supply of affordable rentals. Currently, San Marcos has a shortage of some 6,000 rental units priced affordably for renters earning less than $25,000 a year. Those households reflect about 3,190 non-student renter households and 2,760 student renters that do not receive financial assistance from their parents to help cover housing costs. Market indicators suggest that families with children and large households may have a particularly difficult time finding affordable rentals that meet their needs. In fact, only 7% of non-student apartments have three or more bedrooms, and median rent for three and four bedrooms is between $1,300 and $1,450, end quote. So let's talk about that. I mean, there are a lot of people in the city who are saying that we need to promote home ownership. We need to continue to build houses so that people can buy. But according to the assessment, we're just not having people move here that make a lot of money. In fact, we're seeing an increase of people who make less than $25,000 a year. And for people in that income bracket, that means you have to rent. I mean, you just can't buy anything with that kind of income. So, I mean, housing is going to be a central issue going forward in the city, and it ties right into economics. If we don't supply people with the jobs to make a good wage, how can we expect them to own a home in the first place? I had this conversation once with a city council member in Kyle, actually. We were talking about affordable housing and subsidies for an affordable housing apartment development that was going to go up. And, you know, he told me something that I think will stick with me for a long time. He said, yeah, subsidies are cool and all, and we can talk about affordable housing, but it doesn't really solve the problem. I mean, if we really want to give people a place to live, if we really want people moving to our cities, we just need to have the jobs so we don't have to give these subsidies in the first place. We need to have jobs to support people who want to rent or buy homes. It's that simple. And if we don't have the jobs for people to support themselves, how do we expect them to own homes in the first place? I want to talk a little bit about zoning. Look, I've been critical of single-family zoning a lot on this show. The idea is birthed from the post-World War II era of big yards, detached houses, and massive square footage that has proven to be detrimental to not only our environment, but our pocketbook. Wages have not gone up in decades. I mean, the federal minimum wage is still $7.25. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. And if you look at inflation, the cost of living just hasn't matched what inflation has been since around the 70s. And I think that's one of the main issues with my generation and the next generation next to me. We're just not making enough money to live. And that's a fact. That's a reality of not only San Marcos, but of places all across the country. Wages haven't gone up. Corporate earnings have. And we are the ones that have to pay for it. So we have to get creative. And when I mean creative, we have to move away from this notion of just single family detached homes. This notion of being tied down to a 30-year mortgage, I mean, it's just not attractive to people my age. It's not something that we want to do. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We'd rather live somewhere densely populated so we can live, work, and play in an area. Somewhere that, yeah, it's more affordable. Maybe I won't own it. But at the end of the day, I feel like my quality of life will be better. In terms of the environment, in a place like Hayes County, we love our Edwards and Trinity Aquifer, and we cannot afford this urban sprawl. It means more cars on the road, extended utility lines, and grass-filled neighborhoods that contribute absolutely nothing to our bees and wildlife, while soaking endless amounts of water for the sake of it looking pretty and clean. Let's be real here. Our housing assessment, and many guests on this show, have stated we are missing diverse housing types in the city. We need more condos, townhomes, apartments not catered to students, and granny flats in and around our city's core. It's one of the few things we can do right now to promote a more environmentally sustainable city. Like Mayor Pro Tem Lisa Pruitt once said on the dais, we cannot talk about wanting a vision zero for the city if we continue to do nothing about our transportation issues. And transportation does tie into housing. Cars are expensive, and we all know that. I've had a few guests come on the show that have stated that you know low-income families have a hard time making ends meet, largely because of transportation costs. Because of our reliance on vehicles, it means that families making less than $25,000 a year have a much higher burden when it comes to transportation. Now, if we have people living in and around our city's core, and if we have ample transportation, whether that's biking, walking, buses, uh, gondolas, <laughs> you know, we have a better chance of having people on a level playing field financially. The law of induced demand is important. If you build it, they will come. Bigger streets does not mean less traffic. It means more cars, more sprawl more emissions, and more congestion. You know, cities like Minneapolis have banned single-family zoning, largely in part because it was founded on this idea of segregating people of color, like myself, out of neighborhoods in the 50s. Let me just say that again. Single-family zoning was created to segregate people out of neighborhoods. By principle, it's rooted in racism. We have seen recent zoning denials in the city to densify our neighborhoods, specifically in the historic district. I firmly believe there is nothing wrong with having more people living in a house. In California, it's the norm. You have generational families living under one roof. It's normal. And there is nothing wrong with having a student live next to you. I love the historic district. I think it's a beautiful place. But these are people who already own homes, a minority in the city. A majority of our citizens just don't have that luxury. We just want a place to live. And if that means densifying our neighborhoods to make it more affordable, so be it. You know, these are people too. And just because they rent doesn't make them any less than you or anyone else. From the assessment, quote, San Marcos has a shortage of missing middle products, which often serve as a gateway to homeownership for residents. Contributing to this shortage is the difficulty in developing such units in residential neighborhoods in San Marcos due to its zoning code barriers. As illustrated by survey results, San Marcos residents, especially homeowners, are not inclined to agree that housing types other than single-family homes are appropriate in their neighborhoods. Stakeholders believe that much of this resistance among single-family homeowners against more dense development is a hedge against large student housing developments. 
As the city considers efforts to increase ownership, product diversity, and affordability, it will be essential to help convey the benefits of these products and mitigate existing neighborhood concerns. And look, more density is not bad for our neighborhoods. It's also not bad for our downtown either. I spend every single day downtown. It's a beautiful place with tons of local shops catered to all walks of life. By night, it's a fun place to get drinks. By morning, it's the best place in town to find the best coffee. By lunch, its restaurants are filled with local politicians, business owners, and residents grabbing a bite to eat and talking life and business. By dinner, the local shops, attorney's office, and professional services close for the day, making way for great dining options throughout the downtown, and the cycle repeats. But downtown, specifically in the summers, has caused a plethora of issues and heartburn for our local business owners. Some of our favorite cafes, coffee shops, and retail spaces take up to a 20% hit in the summers. Sure, in large part because the students leave for the summer, but there's also another issue. We don't have anyone living downtown. Adding apartments, condos, and townhomes downtown will promote foot traffic to the university by professors and students alike. And that could potentially add hundreds of professionals walking to our shops every single day. Instead of alienating the university, we need to be working with it, using its assets, its people, as a means to drive local business. Why go to Olive Garden 10 minutes from downtown when you could walk to Italian Garden, a locally owned gem of the city, not a major chain that is not headquartered in the state? And look, no hate to Olive Garden. I love that place. But support local people. It's one of the best things we can do for our community. And speaking of business and economics, let's get creative here in San Marcos. You know, I just got back from Buffalo to look for a place to live. And the city is experiencing a major revitalization when the manufacturing industry crashed in the 20th century. The city has developed a major rail line down its main street, offering an affordable service from northern Buffalo down to its downtown and beyond. The city has a great population living in its downtown, with less and less people relying on a car every single day. And because the town has grown around its main street, jobs and industry are typically located within a few blocks of the rail. This means a diverse pool of professionals, university students from the University of Buffalo, and all walks of life travel together while saving emissions. You know, imagine a rail system from our downtown on Hopkins down to the Smart Terminal or to Amazon. Ambitious, yes, but a solution with social and economic benefits. This town is extremely progressive and diverse. And coming from California, this town always made me feel welcome and comfortable. The only time I ever felt uncomfortable was with how people characterize the students and the university. You know, as a former student myself and someone who can still pass as a student, it's disheartening how people characterize the population of our city. And our zoning surely doesn't make it any better. By alienating our student population in certain parcels of land, we are not doing ourselves any favors in fixing this relationship. Now, look, I'm not saying students should live next to every permanent resident in this town, but surely we can all learn from each other by coexisting, not segregating our homeowners, renters, students, and poor population. And I guess that's what I found most ironic about this city. We are progressive, but so quick to turn our heads against our neighbors. We can all learn from each other, grow together, live together. And I really do believe that. Now let's talk about the environment, our prized possession here in San Marcos and Hayes County. You know, I've been to a lot of places around the country, and I really mean it when I say it. This area is truly pretty damn unique. The interconnected nature of our aquifers, rivers, and waterways is truly something special and to be proud of. Swimming in the San Marcos River has always been a therapeutic activity for me, and I've never quite felt it anywhere else. It's just magical. You know, these waters have fed life for thousands and thousands of years. So inevitably, we need to protect that. We protect our rivers by developing densely, taking cars off the road, and adopting ordinances and procedures to ensure our waterways stay clean. So as you can see, all of these concepts kind of live and work together to create a more sustainable and environmentally successful San Marcos. Let's build more diverse housing types in the city. 
Let's support our local businesses by giving people the opportunity to live downtown. You know, I was at Blue Dahlia a few weeks ago, and one of the waitresses was looking for a place to live near work. But it doesn't exist. She couldn't find it. Instead, she's forced to live on the periphery of our city, commuting to work just so she can enjoy the city she loves. And quite honestly, I think that's unacceptable. She has a job she loves in a city she loves, and she can't physically live near where she works. And one last tidbit about downtown. No, it's not just bars and tattoo parlors, I promise. The numbers show otherwise. It's a place where my girlfriend buys clothes, we like to thrift, buy coffee, eat, and have a good pint of beer. It's also a place where I recently got another tattoo by my favorite artist in town, the legendary Mark Deal. It's also the crux of some of the most important issues in local government, thanks to the courthouse and our commissioner's court. It steps from the university, our river, and truly a beautiful place. And just to be clear, the median age of our town is 24. Shouldn't the market dictate that? Shouldn't our downtown be a reflection of the median age in this town? Surely it will, and surely it is. San Marcos is a beautiful city caught in the middle of huge national issues. Look, I'm from California, the San Francisco Bay Area, right in the heart of Silicon Valley. California did a poor job during the technology boom to solve its problems, which has led to urban sprawl, a terrible transportation system, absurd prices for homes, and an affordability crisis. Instead of criticizing people from my home state, we can learn how cities like San Jose, where I was born, and Austin failed to manage growth. These are lessons we cannot pass up, and I hypothesize we can solve these problems by diversifying our housing market. And at the end of the day, if you disagree with me, that's okay. I only hope we can have a conversation about how to grow our city in a way that's manageable and most of all, healthy. As I leave San Marcos, I'll remember all the beautiful souls that have helped make this town feel like home for some five years. And as for the scoop, the goal is to find somebody to fill my spot, which I know can be a challenge. I've completely absorbed myself in this town and finding someone who has done the same while balancing the production, social media, and editing will be tough. But if you're interested, let me know. Ultimately, I want the San Marcos Scoop to live on, and hopefully you can help me do that. After all, I created the show for you, for all of us, and I want it to stay that way. To the patrons who donated every week to make this happen, thank you. To all the guests, thank you. To all my viewers, thank you. You made this show possible, and I will forever be in your debt for that. I know I rambled a lot, and I'm sorry for that. I'm sure there are a lot of things I missed, and it's super hard to pack all of my ideas and thoughts into one episode. But don't forget, you can always go back and listen to the San Marcos Scoop and all of its episodes at length. A lot of the topics on today's show have been discussed and dissected extensively in the past. Look, if there's anything I've learned since 2016 is that civility is deeply missed at the local and national stage. I'm your colleague and someone who's willing to speak about the issues in this city at length. If you believe there are different solutions for this town, I respect that. But we need to have the conversation from all perspectives. As I leave for the Empire State, I will still watch the meetings, pay attention to the policies, and visit San Marcos in the near future. After all, my family still lives here. And most importantly, I'll continue to cheer for this town that I love. It's a special place, so please keep it special. I'll see you soon. I promise this isn't goodbye. As always, thank you all for the time and support. Thank you for the memories, and I'll see you soon. Peace.